They were the strangest heroes the world had ever seen, and they continued to evolve. We grew comfortable with who we knew Cliff, Larry, and Rita were, but we realized, however, that we were missing a member. So we cornered the chief to learn his story. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. So I was talking with my girlfriend the other day and she said that Doom Patrol sounds like a bad guy team. And she's not wrong. But then I was like, yeah, but they're like patrolling for for Doom. She's like, nah, it sounds like they are the Doom that is on patrol. And I was like, ah, well, we should go back in time and tell 1960s dc editorial that they should rename the series uh to to get rid of semantic confusion uh but we're not confused because we have the 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 text in front of us i would imagine uh Mm -hmm. but this is a long way of saying that we're doing more doom patrol again today hello it's got a very Uh, like last chancers vibe kind of it like uh dirty dirty dozen it's like a dirty dozen very very much yeah um i would say suicide squad except yeah not as serious um it so does feel gonna... like there's a tonal mismatch between like the original idea and then where it landed, uh, but I, I think it is, I think it is the better for where it landed. Thank you, Grant Morrison. <laughs> I believe the the tonally inconsistent run of of Doom Patrol was was done by Grant Morrison, and that is where we get the TV show now. Um, mm. Speaking of the Doom Patrol. Um, jo- I know Joanne last last session was a little long because we had to do some ex- expository stuff but we're, we're we're in it now we know who these characters are um, we're just gonna jump right in to Doom Patrol number 88 June 1964 uh, General Immortus returns for the third time uh, gotta love a recurring villain you gotta love the tenacity um, however this time he is disguised to try and lure out the Doom Patrol and when it is discovered that it is General Immortus uh, the chief can no longer hide his identity and must tell them why General Immortus is such a pain in the ass for him uh, and explains his complicated but also very specific backstory. Um, so Chief is actually a scientist named Niles Calder who was a very promising young scientist and went off to study a bunch of unique and special things that only he could do. And while he was starving and doing science by himself, a mysterious benefactor came, gave him $2 million and said, continue your research on life extension. And he's like, boy, howdy, will I? So Calder continues to do this, continues to get money over large periods of time, saves the money, continues his research. And um, later at one point finally becomes curious enough to try and find out who his mysterious benefactor is and tracks him down and finds out that it is in fact general immortus realizing that this is terrifying and general immortus is a criminal calder refuses to do any more research for life extension stuff for him and immortus is like do it or we'll kill you or something and immortus is actually an immortal general who has been using some formula that he discovered centuries ago to elongate his life and continue his quest for world domination guys who are this old who haven't conquered the world to me just have the worst track (laughs) record you know it's like you really shouldn't be scared of a guy who's been alive for centuries because he's clearly not good right like that to me is the takeaway is like you're batting like oh and five thousand if you haven't gotten it right this far like you've had so many opportunities he doesn't even have like a principality or something right like he's it's not like doom 
who like Doctor Doom's got at least a country. Black Adam has a country. Magneto's got a meteor occasionally, or some, or like at least land in the Savage Land. It's like Immortus sucks at this. Even Vandal Savage is like when everyone's like, "Oh, Vandal Savage is scary." I'm like, Vandal Savage sucks at his job. <laughs> like. You're telling me you've lived you've lived almost millennia and you still haven't conquered Earth? Superman wasn't even around for like most of that time. You can't do it anyway. I just I have problems with characters like this. I love them dearly. I think the I, I think the forever old villain is a great trope. It's just it's always like once you really put thought down onto the idea of like you've been alive this long and you still haven't done it. There's got to be a reason or you just suck. It's I don't know. The the thing that always goes through my brain is what's special about now that makes right. it different. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, whenever you've got like a, a tabletop RPG campaign and everybody's got like, oh, here are my goals. Part of the question should be like, why, why is now when you're achieving those goals, what happened before? Were you just not advanced enough or uh, did... Or is it just now you got your stuff together? Right. Um, like if there was like the stars are finally in alignment in general in Mortis's plan, I'd be like, yeah. yeah, sure. Like he had to wait like several hundred years until like the right constellation. But whatever. Um, After 5,000 years, I'm free. Yeah, exactly. Um, nobody in 1964 called us to, to consult on the story. <laughs> so that's probably why it's the way it is. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty. Narrative hindsight, at least. Well, as we look on the story and Calder's like... I can't get out of this because he's just going to try and kill me or torture me to continue to work for him. Uh, Chief decides that he's going to try and get Immortus to, to attempt to kill him and then save his own life, but fake his death, essentially. Uh, in doing so, he gets General Immortus to shoot him, crawls his way back to his laboratory, tells his assistant robot to wait for him to die an appropriate amount of time, and then revive him. Uh, I believe Chief is dead for like 30 minutes. It's a while. Yeah, he's dead for a while, and then his robot assistant brings him back to life. But, of course, there's been some brain damage once you're, alive, you're unalive for that long. You're dead for that long. Um, so that is why Chief is paralyzed from the waist down. Um, and he is revived, destroys his laboratory and all the research on life extension, and destroys his robot. And helps the Doom Patrol in present day after this very, very long and protracted flashback to stop General Immortus once again. And in this plan, they actively try and kill General Immortus. Now, here's the thing. Knowing that General Immortus keeps coming back, I want to count this as a body count, but I also know that there is a likelihood, a strong possibility that it doesn't work. So no one's actually dead here. And this is a weird sort of nebulous space that we've not really covered before because we have characters who mostly die and are dead dead. Um, and those are usually like our minion type characters. And very mm. rarely do we have a villain, a named villain like General Immortus, get axed. So I'm I'm not inclined to make this a body count, but I kind of want to. But I'm this is their big bad. Like this is their Lex Luthor. He's going to come back. He died. He has fake died twice. Like, I don't, I don't know here. There's two different ways of approaching this. And the one is, like, I would be genuinely curious to know if he comes back. Uh, and I, I don't know. I didn't think to check. But I think the more directly relevant bit is these 
maybe it is the like last chancers dirty dozen kind of vibe uh that at least it sort of couches itself in whether or not it like fully like commits to that maybe a separate thing but i don't see them as characters who are playing by superhero rules maybe the yeah. best, or superhero conventions that's what it is mm-hmm. uh I, like i don't I think regardless of whether uh, they actually got the kill on Immortus, I don't think they were holding back. I think they they would have been happy to get the kill. This is a lot... I mean, I would classify the Doom Patrol a lot more like the Challengers of the Unknown. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They are not a superhero team. I know they are kind of billed that way because the... Is when you start to get into the, the, the minutia of what is a superhero... And does having powers make you a superhero or does it just mean that you're a person with special abilities? Um, Because if you look at the X-Men, like, there's a lot to argue there that they're a metahuman paramilitary organization, not superheroes. Um, Versus Batman, who has no powers, is technically a superhero. So what they engage in is, like, the same stuff the Challengers of the Unknown engage in. And... Aquaman we just happen to be here so we're gonna save the thing or like we're hired out to do X thing like they do kind of hodgepodge things here um I agree that I don't know if I would classify them as superheroes but they are action heroes and this is important to kind of remember um industry wise for DC comics they were not just making superhero comics I mean there's you know um the Sergeant Rock comics, um, our Fighting Forces, Task Force X, the Suicide, the original Suicide Squad comic is not a superhero comic. Um, they were not just putting out superheroes. Challengers and this could very well be considered action adventure comics. I mean, like I wouldn't consider Adam Strange a superhero, yeah. to be honest. Um, he's he's an Indiana Jones type, and Indiana Jones isn't a superhero, so. He's an action hero. This is kind of where we get into this gray area. Um, I'm okay with them killing. I don't mind it. I don't think they go out of their way to. Yeah. I don't think they intentionally try to kill. In fact, we mostly see them combating people that they don't end up needing to kill. Um, but or at the same time. Or who or yeah, or kaiju or some or some form or of that. Um yeah, aliens as well. Even yeah. the aliens, they don't try to kill. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna like say that like most of the time they are nonviolent. However, again, I'm gonna say Larry, negative man, was a pilot. I'm assuming he got it as an Air Force pilot, if I remember correctly. Larry's probably done some combat scenarios. He's probably comfortable with the idea of killing someone. Yeah. Um Cliff, I don't know. I don't think Cliff really would want to kill anybody, but I don't think he would also let anyone hurt his friends. And Rita, I don't know. I feel like Rita would be okay with killing someone if she had enough evidence to suggest that they were a real bad deal. Like, General Immortus is somebody that she'd be like, yeah, General Immortus should die. But, like, a bank robber, she'd probably be like, there's no need to kill that guy. Like, I feel like Rita has degrees of what she's willing to do to stop someone because she's just not a, a, a terribly violent person. So I'm going to say we don't give them a body count 
even though they tried to do it. Because I figure General Immortus is going to come back and they are not intentionally really trying to kill him. Um, they're trying to apprehend him and it just ends up that his thing explodes, really, if I recall. Um, but I, yeah, this is just this is an interesting conversation to have, because, again, we are in the Silver Age. Nobody's supposed to be killing anymore. Um, and if they do, it has to be like morally righteous. So it's important to note that we have this weird sort of PG PG 13 sort of code going on. And it's also important to acknowledge the Doom Patrol is maybe possibly not a superhero team. They're just called heroes. The world's strangest superhero, the world's strangest heroes or the strangest heroes the world has ever seen. It's never like the superhero. I would not see them hanging out with Superman. Elongated man. Yes. Challengers. Yes. Wonder Woman. Probably not. The thing that ran through my head as you were talking about that was they feel for all that they they are surrounded by a whole lot of fantastical things, but they are very real world characters and there are the shades of, Oh, what, what is justified to do in any, like what level of violence is justified in any point uh, rather than being frankly, rather than being held to the same ideals and inflexible codes that we get from like the comics code, generally speaking. Yeah. A moral relativity that is beholden to a character of a higher stature. Yeah. Superman is a symbol. The Justice League of America are symbols. The Doom Patrol is just a bunch of people. So moving forward, we're going to get to Doom Patrol number 89, August 1964. Uh, A former student of the Chief's returns and tries to enact vengeance upon him because he believes the Chief was like stealing his notes or stealing his discoveries. Um, And he becomes my favorite villain of all time in the history of comics. Uh, I'm not exaggerating here. This is the name of the character. Animal Mineral Vegetable Man. This is... I'm so tired. (laughs) God damn it, comics. Um, Okay, so Animal Mineral Vegetable Man is a dude who can turn into sentient forms of animals, minerals, or vegetables. Or man. Whatever (laughs) that means. Um, So by sentient, I mean he can turn into like a diamond creature, even though minerals are not sentient. Um, he can turn into sentient vines or any type of animal he wishes or a dude. Um, so Animal Mineral Vegetable Man, a- AMV Man, as they later adopt to call him because that's too much of a mouthful to keep lettering on the page, um, is tricked by the team and Chief hits him with like a stunning ray and they dip him back into the formula that he makes and it turns him back to a normal dude. That is still just hilarious as shit to me. I love a AMV man. I think it is the goofiest way. It's like condiment king levels of ridiculousness um, to me. I just love it. Um, the second story in Doom Patrol number 89 is Elastigirl helps a soldier with um, amnesia and PTSD recover- that he received in the Korean War. Um, remember that he has a child that he adopted while he was in Korea um, and reunites them. Which I thought was kind of cool because it's a solo um, Elastigirl uh, Rita uh, story, and that was cool. And some some things can to be said about the Korean War and a, a, an American soldier adopting a child. 
um, from the nation that he is in combat in. Um, there's some weird optics there, but it is also the 1960s. And that's also kind of one of those things to date the comic. It's like, ah, the Korean War is past tense. So that's kind of neat. We're, we're, we're past the, the point where the only war we talk about is World War II. Which is interesting. Um, Doom Patrol number 90, September 1964. Madame Rouge uh, gets new powers uh, to mold and stretch herself. Um, so she can impersonate people. Um, I Look. I'm not going to go into the science behind whether or not molding her entire physical form changes her own vocal cords to also change what she sounds like. Otherwise, it's old men sounding like a French finishing school teacher because that's also what Madame Rouge's job is. is she's a finishing school teacher for like young women. I'm not going to suggest that it doesn't mold with her body because it would be funnier if it didn't. If an old man telling these characters that he can help them sounds like a French woman... I think that would be hilarious shit. I'm assuming, however, that it does change. Um, so she gets to be bad Elastigirl. Mm-hmm. Effectively. Um, so she begins to impersonate members of the team. And uh, they figure out that she's the imposter. And they they defeat her. And she is uh, removed from the situation. There's also a stupid little continuity error that I caught. Um, I gotta say, the editing for these books is a little wacky. Because we had the initially... Uh, Rita was called Elastic Woman, then she's Elastic Girl, um, and now the uh, chief gives everybody a code word to say, because they're like, there's an imposter among us, only the three of us know, so we need a code word, and the code word that um, Negative Man says during the sequence uh, when they're trying to decipher which one of them is uh, Madame Rouge, says that he says the wrong code word, he says Robot Man's code word, like, hmm. you established it two pages ago, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Look, editing, the editing on this on this book is weird. I, I I have not been impressed with the three to four editing issues I've seen. We're going to move to Doom Patrol number 91, November 1964. The first appearance of Mento. Mento is an interesting character um, who, frankly, when I think of the Doom Patrol, I don't think of him. Um... But he is kind of a rich man with a lot of uh, tech and wealth behind him. But he also has a like telepathic helmet that he wears that allows him to fight crime along with his fantastic physique, um, which I just find is, is a little silly. Um, but he has a crush on Rita and continues to try and um, work with her and try and get her to his side. Obviously, Negative Man and Robot Man do not like this guy muscling in on their friend. Um, but in the ensuing weird love quadrilateral, I suppose, or whatever it is, um, aliens attack Earth, and Mento decides that he's gonna he's gonna fight the aliens to prove that he's cool and worth Rita's time. Um, and he kind of doesn't do, he doesn't do a really good job to be honest, um, and the Doom Patrol has to go stop the aliens and save him. Um, so, And it kind of ends on this weird sort of like, well, now there's this guy. He's not part of the Doom Patrol, but I guess he's a recurring character, and Rita is interested in him, and Negative Man's not cool with it, and Robot Man just doesn't like Mento. He thinks he's a schmuck. Um, and that's about it. 
Uh, we moved to Doom Patrol number 92, December 1964. This is cool. This is a Silver Age bad guy, too. We were talking about Condiment King earlier. Uh, Dr. Time, spelled T-Y-M-E, yeah. which is just goofy as shit. Dr. Time looks like he's got one of those old-timey, like, Chuck Jones alarm clocks, the, the round ones with the mm. two bells on the top of it, just stuck on his head. Like, his whole head is that alarm clock, and at the bottom is a mouth where you can see gears inside of it. It's silly as shit. I love it. Um, he's one of my favorite Silver Age bad guys just because of his design of his costume is bats. Um, Dr. Time uh, has an ability to slow down or speed up time, so he's just using it to commit crimes. The Doom Patrol uh, fights him, um, but they're in kind of a pinch. And Mento helps them out, and it's uh, kind of interesting because they have these moments between Mento and uh, Negative Man and Robot Man where they're all kind of like, hey, like, good job to each other and they you can kind of tell that they respect each other professionally but they still don't like each other personally um negative man at the beginning of the story is trying to get rita to forget about mento and be like hey like stop trying to date that guy you should really go out with me i'm here he doesn't seem to like you that much and robot man goes to mento's house and <laughs> threatens him to take rita out he's like look my friend likes you. You're going to go out and you're going to show her a nice fucking time. And Mento's like, are you threatening me to go on a date? He's like, I absolutely am. And it was, it's just such a weird, and I kind of loved that. It was silly and kind of endearing to kind of see yep. the late robot man was like, I'm looking out for my friend who likes you. I don't like you, but you're going to like make her happy. Right. And he's like, yeah, I guess I will. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting dynamic because different characters are reacting to it in different ways. Like, we've kind of talked about there's not enough differences between Larry and Cliff, I think. But the fact that they can have them react in different ways, even if, like, the there isn't a clear difference in their, like, in their characters that makes them react in these different ways. But having them, like, as the Marvel family dynamic of... Yeah. Hey, different characters reacting to a personal and interpersonal development, different characters like bouncing off it in different ways. And it is entertaining to see this particular way this goes. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, Larry and Cliff are almost identical personally, just like their personalities are almost the same. The only thing that separates them is their individual wants and desires larry wants to be um able to be close to somebody and not be seen as a freak robot man just wants a human body back and so it's they're aligned they're parallel journeys but they are individually different but at the same time personally they're both gruff kind of rough dudes mm -hmm. and it's just a little interesting to kind of see that it's like one of those like we're not so different to you and i sort of uh, relationships um do patrol number 93 february 1965 happy new year robot man um at a certain point decides that he's going to kind of go off on his own and see if he can meet with the scientist who claims that he can uh transfer the brain of an animal into another animal so robot man goes and finds him and says like hey uh, i'd like you to take my brain out and put it in a new body and the guy goes, sure, I can put you in what is effectively a Sasquatch. And he's like, no, don't think I'm into being a Sasquatch. And he's like, oh, well, do you have a body in mind? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, literally anything but a Sasquatch. But uh, here's what I used to look like. Can you get me, can you like grow me a new body? And the guy goes, yeah, sure. 
We later find out that the scientist is Madame Rouge in disguise with her uh, moldable body now. And um, this was the old man with the French woman's voice I was talking about earlier. Um, they put uh, She puts Cliff under with a sedative, and he, when he wakes up, he realizes that they have put the brain from the Brotherhood of Evil um, into cliff's robot man body and cliff's brain is now in the canister that the brain used to be in and so monsieur mala madame rouge and the brain are now running around with a robot man body and the doom patrol must now fight these three individuals um they eventually get the brotherhood to back off and retreat and they and the brain actually retreats with robot man's body but they get uh, Robot Man back in a new uh, body suit and all's well that kind of ends well there. But again, it's like the brain has Robot Man's body now. I forgot about that. The, I, I hope that comes back yeah. because that'll be cool because now they have like two. Uh, they have to have a robot fight. Yes. Um, which I am all for. Uh, oh, also during the fight, uh, the doctor or the chief uh, puts Robot Man's brain in the Sasquatch and he beats up Monsieur Mala. And that's what they're like, we got to get the hell out of here because now he's actually a Sasquatch. Um, and that is how they, they win the day. Uh, Doom Patrol number 94, March 1965. The Doom Patrol thinks they anger um, a very ethnically uncomfortable spirit. Yeah. Um, I want to say a Middle Eastern to probably Arabic coded spirit. Um and they feel like they've angered him because he keeps attacking them. And what they find out is that it is actually another mental dream projection, uh, similar to the Nazi from last episode. Um, but that guy died in prison. This is his son taking vengeance on the Doom Patrol and making them think that they are cursed by a um, Middle Eastern specter. This was the weirdest story. Yeah, it felt it felt out of place. It felt weird and strange and a little like... ah. Uh, the other writer wrote this one. Um, it just it didn't fit, and frankly, I mm. I was a little disappointed with it. The rest of these have been fine, to be honest. Um, this one was the the big letdown. Um, the second story in that in that issue ninety four, uh, Chief gets a super duper cool battle wheelchair um, that he's designed. <laughs> That's right. And while the the rest of the Doom Patrol is off doing a mission like helping uh, prevent a volcano from erupting, the chief fights this character called the claw who just looks like a guy in a hood with with bird goggles um who has two pet falcon eagle things that attack people and the chief in his wheelchair is fighting this guy who actually doesn't fight at all who is just using birds to attack the chief and it's kind of funny (laughs) just because it's like this is the weirdest rock paper scissors ever um but chiefs um Chief's wheelchair has like a gun on it, a flamethrower, a grabbing arm. It's like super grabbing motorized. Cool. It's really cool. It's just like what? Okay, and I think it was just in an, in an effort to get Chief mobile in the field. Because I I'm wondering if there was a propensity of letters to the editor um, to get Chief out in the field with everybody else and just away from behind the desk. Maybe I'm misremembering. I know that there is the like an imminently upcoming story where he uses a different solution and they like call out, Oh, why aren't you using the, the battle chair? And he's like, eh, better protection from this thing. But does he use it in any of the later, uh, issues that we, I don't know. 
because literally the next issue is the last one we read. Okay, I, I so, Okay, that, no, that explains fine. why. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm curious. I, I also uh, of note in Doom Patrol number ninety four, Elastigirl um, starts to get a handle on being able to grow specific parts of her body. Yeah, i.e., like growing one hand really large and maintaining the same shape with the rest of her body as a normal person, but like growing her an extra large hand, kind of like uh, Madame Rouge was doing. And that I find is cool is that Elastigirl's powers are evolving. Uh, the final issue we're going to cover, Doom Patrol number ninety five, May nineteen sixty five. Uh, Animal Mineral Vegetable Man returns. Uh, the chief makes a suit of armor that is very similar to Robot Man's suit, which is what you were talking about a second ago, uh, to help fight AVM Man because uh, Robot Man is out of commission during this fight. So the larger story that this is around, or rather that this is like just the trappings for, is that Chief announces that he has a way of getting rid of everybody's powers. So a way of curing Larry of being radioactive in in a mummy suit the whole time and a way of making Rita effectively normal again, but not really anything to help Cliff. And the chief is like, okay, everybody, get in your spots. I'm going to fix everyone except you, Robot Man. And every member of the team, Chief, uh, Negative Man, Elastigirl, and Robot Man are all having second thoughts about this. It's like, oh, if... Maybe we won't be a team anymore. Maybe I won't have my friends. This is kind of like my family. And in mm. these moments of confusion, Robot Man says he like can't take it anymore and tries to prevent the professor or the chief from doing it. And it causes a, an explosion that reverses Larry and Rita's powers. Larry now is able to grow to fantastic sizes and Rita now has negative woman or negative girl inside of her. Um, they use these abilities to stop... Um, uh, animal mineral vegetable man uh, because chief is in a robot body and due to the explosion robot man is in a like a wheelchair and he's bound and he can't go out in the field so it's like everybody swaps positions um once they defeat a amv man um they start to become in pain rita rita and larry and chief needs to bring them back to the laboratory he does something to them that switches their powers back and they seem stable and that's the last story that we read um, that we have in the collection that we have and I find that very interesting to be like the last note mm-hmm. that we have of their story because they don't talk about again are we ready to try again to get rid of our powers like that isn't broached in that issue again it's just like oh thank god we're all safe now it's like you were doing a thing like a pretty big thing you you could have ended the series are we going to address that mm-hmm. um, so I just I found that kind of fascinating uh in in the essence of just like wow that was a really weird um note to ignore at the end of the issue um like i expected someone to be like you know hey you know what uh maybe we wait to try again later because i've got my family right now or i don't mind being like this if i've got the three of you kind of a thing a moment like that to kind of wrap that up um narratively but that is left dangling after the explosion um less less prudent and less you know urgent and dire in terms of the plot uh everybody gets a new outfit rather by everybody i mean larry and rita get these new slick uh red and white uh outfits rita's sucks (laughs) um here's why when you have a person who can grow to skyscraper size don't put them in a skirt true don't put them in a skirt 
because that means everybody can look up very easily into that person's underwear. I just thought I was like, that is the stupidest design. Uh, so I was a little mad about that, everyone. I think you should know. And if you're mad about it too, join me in the anger. Um, but that was just the dumbest thing ever. I was like, why did we change your outfit to this? Isn't that super uncomfortable? <laughs> Invasion of her privacy. But again, 1960s DC editorial never called me um, for a consultation. Um, that is the end of our coverage for Doom Patrol and for the volume that we have, which is, I want to get more because I loved this. Um, and I think we kind of talked about all the important narrative stuff for me. Is there anything that you have? Yeah, I, I want to touch on a thing because I didn't think about this at the time. There are, t with regards to them not talking about, uh, the fact that they came so close to breaking apart the family, uh, and you can read that in two different ways, I think. The the first is, hey, it's just like time crunch. Uh, I think this I think this story or this issue had two stories. Is that the case? Or is it this did all? not. Okay, just one. Uh, but it it ends very abruptly. Like maybe there's just a space thing. Maybe it's just that. But also it if it weren't that, there's an interesting view on it of it's a rash or it hmm, rational is not the right word, but it is how you would expect people to react if they if they didn't if they didn't want to talk about it, I guess. Uh in mm. specifically, like they haven't in any way resolved the fact that they they want to be cured, at least with Larry and Cliff. They they want to be quote unquote cured. Uh and to a lesser degree, Rita and the Chief, uh, they're not. There's nothing narratively that sets them up to like let that go in service of maintaining the found family they have. Uh, but they're also not willing to like. They're certainly not willing to let go of the family that they have. So. If if what you're doing is punting this down, we're just not going to figure this out right now. Not talking about it does make sense in that context. Uh, and I, I think the logical explanation is more likely just, hey, space, they just didn't want to have the, that conversation show up. Like all these, I think a lot of these stories actually end very abruptly. The, yeah. the epilogue is not something they put any priority to endings yes epilogues not so much unlike uh, yeah but, unlike one of that that issue where like rita saw into larry's room and she's like why is his room lead-lined yeah you know, which set up a mystery for the next issue we don't get that in these oh, it ends yeah. it ends on everybody rounding up for a laugh at the end very hannah barbera yeah but yeah like it if we were to do the interesting read, I, I do think the choosing not to talk about it and just not upset the, not change what we had. Uh, <laughs> it's an, that bit's an interesting one. But yeah, uh, so first off, uh, I had this realization. So my exposure to this specific cartoon show is just through the theme song. But the theme song 
I can easily imagine the words Doom Patrol inserting into this theme song. The cartoon in question that I'm referring to is, of course, the Gummy Bears cartoon. Doom Patrol, bouncing here and there and everywhere. Yes, I'm here for it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Other than that, so Mentallo, I... The comparison that I drew... Uh, Mento? Mento. Oh, yeah. Men- Mento, not Mento. Flex Mentallo is a Grant Morrison character. That's we've where done, we've done s- We've done Six Degrees of Grant Morrison now. Yeah. <laughs> so, the comparison I draw for Mento is Ice King from Adventure yeah. Time. Because the <laughs> spe- specific thing there is the camera doesn't excuse him the camera says this guy is shitty and it's not even like it's not saying that uh rita shouldn't like give him the time of day or anything it's just it's making it very clear that we know hey yeah it's like you kind of get the vibe that there's nothing wrong with them choosing to hang out with this guy, but at the same time, it's very clear, yeah, th- this guy's shitty. The Oh, God, the bit of <laughs> as soon as their date is over, as they're, like, walking back to the car, it's like, man, I'm really glad that your friend, like, blackmailed me or threatened me into uh, hanging out yeah. with you. It's just, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, Bro, there's just have some no tech. chill. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it is bananas how, like, either tone deaf he is or he's just an idiot. Yeah, and, like, the the camera is showing us that, and it's great. Like, that that is one of the things that I think Adventure Time did really well, is for all that it, for all that it's sometimes treated the Ice King as com- comedic in that way, it also never let him off the hook for being shitty and kidnapping princesses. Right. Uh, so, I like that. And and also importantly, Rita is not like thrown under the bus of narrative for any of this. Rita is able to be like, yeah, no, I don't want to spend time with. I, I don't. I don't want to date him. I'll hang out with him maybe, but that's the extent of it. Yeah, they do a good job of showing that Rita is fully aware of how much of a schmuck he is, mm-hmm. and it's not like, well, I don't know, guys. And I think to your point, yeah, she's like, no, I, I, I have no interest in him romantically. Yeah, in fact. Broadening it out, uh, one of the things that we had walked out of the previous episode with was how we there were times that Rita was thrown under the bus of pop, the the bus of purpose of plot, uh, and it I don't think that happens in any of these issues that we covered today. Do you? Agree? Yeah, I don't I don't believe that she fell prey to I am woman, hear me fail. Yeah, um, which is just. Like you said in the in the last episode with Doom Patrol of, um, I'm going to make a mistake because I'm jealous and I'm a woman. Now, granted, Larry was the jealous one in these. Mm. So it could be because the person who was acting that way was a man. And we didn't, we weren't necessarily looking for that because normally that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, Rita had some better times in this uh, series of issues. I'm very glad of that because that was a pretty big, like uh, blotch on those stories that we otherwise loved so much. The other thing I, all right. So other things that I'm going to go through, uh, 
let's start over here because I think this is interesting. Uh, so last time, uh, there were a couple of issues, almost all the issues uh, last time, I'm pretty sure, at least a decent chunk of them, were two-story issues. And sometimes they were Doom Patrol backup uh, stories. Sometimes they were something entirely different. And in this chunk of stories, they're all, all Doom Patrol. Uh, some of them have, like, Doom Patrol backup stories. But hey, they're Doom Patrol backup stories. So that is an interesting change. One thing in particular that I noticed, there, I think as a function of there being more space for story, they have little vignettes at the start of the issue showing each character's power. Not every issue, mind you. Uh, it's It winds up only being either four out of eight stories or uh, five, depending on how you count things. But we get danger room opens like little vignettes yeah. that are not directly part of the main story, more like setting up uh, the setting up a moment that then leads into the main story. But we get these little vignettes that are basically danger room opens and I love them. Um, and for clarification, when he's referring to uh, having to patrol stories in it, I'm, I'm imagining what you mean is that the magazine to patrol has yes. only doom patrol stories in it and not yes. some other like you know johnny thunder stuff in the back exactly um, and also for those who are unfamiliar with what he with uh, the trope of a danger room cold open um that is or was established in x-men comics of the issues opening with the team in the danger room practicing so you could see what all of their powers were so you could be reminded who they were and what they did or also if this was your first issue of x-men oh, this is what everybody does. This is what all their powers are. This is who they are. And I think you're right that these all had danger room cold opens in terms of just the the Doom Patrol stopping something in the beginning or doing something that required all of their powers. So you could see immediately, ah, yes, this is who everyone is. Yeah, and sort of following the, or preceding the X-Men tradition, uh, you get like a relay race where they are delivering a guy to the chief uh, and... If memory serves, Negative Man is flying, like, grabs the guy, flies him away, hands him to uh, Rita, who, at, like, elevators up, just increases her size to pass her, him off to Robot Man, who is, like, electromagnetic uh, boots, like, stuck to the side of a building, like, walks him up and then hands him over to hang out with the chief. And it's just, there's a range of these. It isn't just... Uh, an introduction by uh here's like a description it is it is illustrative and some sometimes it's whimsical or it, it's pretty much always like oh this is cool it is yeah i think it, it i think actually generally it is cool yeah and interesting i definitely agree these these were fun yeah and that is again paramount to some of these because much like Aquaman, you know, like having the weird water Olympics with Aqualad and the fish, having fun allows you to enjoy the character and ease into the fact of like, oh, this is who they are. I can now feel immersed now that I've seen them as people. Mm -hmm. And that's that's actually a perfect segue for me because uh, I think I touched on this last time, and but it carries through. There are just some cool visuals, and it's... They aren't, like, creativity of the form of comics. Like, 
like we think of with Carmine Infantino, uh, we get, oh, the really cool, like, layouts that are, like, the classic one, two, three uh, panel design of something like moving closer, faster, etc. This isn't doing that, but it's just cool visuals. Like, I have a laundry list here. We talked about uh, when the chief was... uh, was uh, outsmarting General Immortus after uh, being resurrected from the dead. Uh, he shoots his robot assistant, and the robot assistant's like head explodes. There's uh, animal, vegetable, mineral man turns from a giant tarantula like into a swarm of gnats. It looks like uh, a Thanos snap. Madame Rouge is like stretching her neck out to encircle Monsieur Mala, which you basically have like a female uh, Mr. Fantastic stretching her head and neck around a giant gorilla, which is just, there are just these cool visuals that I genuinely love. And the, the way that I am viewing it is it's, it really feels like what if you had the same creativity and visual gags as Plastic Man, but you mm. run them through a filter of the characters not doing it for the joke. It's still like, oh, that's creative. It, there is whimsy in it. Like, the camera is presenting it as kind of whimsical, but the characters are still being serious in it. So it's not just, oh, wow, whimsy, but it's still got a tinge of that. And that, I think, comes back to like a a less whimsical version of Aquaman just wow, that's cool that he's got octopi, like, all going in with all eight limbs and stuff and all, like, boxing and stuff. Like, there, there is the just cool visuals that we get in here. Yeah, the, the art has been consistently uh, creative and fun. Yeah. And reaction shots, I have to call those out as well. Like, a oh, lot yeah. of good shots, especially of Rita being, like, shocked and disgusted by things. And characters that show actual emotion and emote in that way, and it's great. Mento had a really good close-up when he was trying to get a uh, supersized Rita to uh, decrease her size when there was a bomb that they had yeah. to escape from. It was a great, just solid shot of Mento with, like, worry and sweat. And it was yeah. really well done. Because he fails at first, like... I love that it's these little things of these characters being the they are being handled in a way where they can mess up and try again and it's not as melodramatic as like a uh Green Lantern or especially like Flash. I kind of visualize that like class I'm I can picture like Flash doing a I have to do this I have to do this I can't give up it's not that but it is definitely like these characters are having to tough it out and try again even this guy whose whole shtick is I'm the best and sometimes except the camera knows I'm not right it's the difference between John McClane and James Bond yeah. You know, John McClane will screw up or jump on glass and, and scream and cuss about it, but James Bond will jump on glass and he'll grit his teeth but keep going. Yeah. Yep. And the one other note that I have is... <laughs> we, we talked last time about, intentionally or not, All there are a bunch of parallels to Fantastic Four and is, but mostly Uncanny X-Men uh, in Doom Patrol... Uh, another one that intentionally or not exists. Uh, there's a bit where uh, where Cliff, even 
even in a different form, can't catch a break of people finding him grotesque. Uh, he is in, he is the, just the brain in the jar, but he still has like the little vocal, uh, the ability to like talk to people and he's left alone. And he basically like, uh, hails somebody to break in to the place where the brotherhood of evil has stashed him. And first people like run away cause they're grossed out cause there's a brain talking to them. And somebody else, uh, comes in and does like, Oh, gets help. And, blind person who does not see cliff uh and so does not have that visceral uh gross out reaction and if you know your fantastic four you might know about uh, i think alicia masters is the name of the character a mm-hmm. uh, blind woman who uh, i believe dates uh ben Grimm or is certainly like a romantic interest uh uh because she does not see him there is not the the reaction to the ostensible grotesquerie of the thing uh and she appears two years before this in fantastic four number eight i didn't realize how early that was Hmm. yeah i would have thought that she would have been a a later edition character when they've been more fleshed out but no you're you're absolutely right i believe alicia and and ben get married um later in the comics um, I didn't know that. But yeah, their relationship is is kind of built around the idea that Ben describes himself to her as the thing. And she's like, okay, but I don't see that, so it doesn't scare me. Yeah. But yeah, um, I guess the long and short of it is, I really enjoyed these comics. I'm really glad we read them. Yeah, I think this was, one, good for us to read to kind of also see how good some of the stuff was that we weren't looking at that wasn't like the mainstream mainline characters but at the Mm -hmm. same time it gives a good concept of like what other comics were like at the time that were not justice league centric or that folded into justice league i mean we've obviously been you know reading doom patrol or uh challenges of the unknown and we do like those as well um but it is rare for us to read something we so thoroughly enjoy because um, I would say Adam Strange kind of fits into this vein as well. And those are a special kind of special because they're good, but they're also like you do hang out with the Justice League at times and they're trying to make you a superhero. But it's also like a very specific type of character. Um, I think he would like not want to get his hands dirty with the Doom Patrol, whereas the Challengers of the Unknown would be like, yeah, these guys are cool. Um, so it's. It is an interesting kind of cross-section of the genres where it's they've got the powers of the Justice League, but the feel of Challengers. Yeah, I think that's a good read. Um, And if we are wrapped up in this respect, I think we can go Mm. on to recommendations. Yeah, Uh, I'm going to recommend I don't know if I recommended this before, but uh, this was something I was looking into a few months back and I've I've since dropped off of it, but I kind of want to get back into it. But it's a code Mirai code samurai but it's the same words hmm. so it's code mirai it's an interesting uh programming daily learning tool and uh, i was using it to learn c sharp for a while and i really liked it because it kind of gamified it or rather it made it it turned it into terms of game design so for folks who are interested in actually doing game design and like curious as to like what kind of programming goes into that or how you would use programming to program video games I think Code Mirai is a good starting point. It also has a couple of other um, languages in there. I think like Java and one or two others. Uh, but I was using C Sharp because I was looking into Unity. Um, and I would definitely uh, pick up Code Mirai if you are interested in trying to, one, further your understanding um, for you know tech literacy as well as just 
computer science. Um, but two, if you're curious about getting a job in the video game industry, um, Code Mirai puts C Sharp in terms of like Unity programming. And I think that that's really cool. Nice. On my end, I'm going to recommend uh, Get in the Car Loser. So it is the latest game by Courtney Love, who is, I think, best known at this point for uh, Lady Killer in the Bind, uh, Lady Killer in a Bind, uh, which is a visual novel uh, that is not safe for work unless you use the uh, Christmas sweater uh, anti-nudity uh, option. But uh, Get in the Car Loser is a... A similar tone take on uh, JRPGs, which is to say it is a frank exploration of people and identities uh, wrapped up in what throughout the... I, I believe the development of this game has been four years. So, hey, what's happened in the last four years? Uh, the rise of Trumpism and neo-nazis uh it is diving into that especially coming at it from the perspective of marginalized communities the protagonists are all uh three women and one non-binary character uh one of whom is trans uh christine christine love is trans uh there is so much of that story that is rooted in hey what does resistance look like especially Especially if you are coming at it from the perspective of the people who would be victimized. I I have a lot of privilege. Personally, I I am a white guy. Uh I am not I'm not as I'm not especially at risk from a reactionary or fascist takeover. Not more than anybody else, I guess would be the right way to put it. But resistance has a very different color for people who are at risk in that in a different way uh and take all of that interest or all of that interesting perspective that illuminating perspective that's a better word for it uh throw in really just good writing like there is banter in christine love games is great like characters who are flustered it is great it is wonderful uh, and a really interesting like me battle mechanic uh, that makes things play out really quickly. I I wish it was a bigger game in some ways because there are interesting ideas that it felt like it, it felt like this is a thing that could scale really interestingly to having a bunch of options without having like the fatigue of making a bunch of choices like every battle or something it really feels like something where you could have an interesting like build your deck quote unquote uh phase and then go into the battles uh definitely highly recommended the other great thing is uh it is uh it is pay what you want on itch and steam and then a ten dollar dlc so go play it it's like 12 hours for the base game uh you will figure out pretty quickly whether you like it give it a try very nice. All right. I believe that'll do it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to be looking at the Legion of Superheroes. So you might need to get a pen or a pencil and some paper to take down some crazy names. Um, <laughs> things are going to get a lot weirder, I think, um, as this is weird. But it, I mean, 
matter eater lads a character. So <laughs> that's right. Um, we're gonna deal with some some fun teenage drama, maybe maybe with powers thrown in there. So maybe more X Men like stuff. Um, but until then, thank you all for listening. We love you all. See you next time. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. New costumes, the addition of Mento, and Animal Mineral Vegetable Man were enough to satiate our curiosity for the Doom Patrol for a time. We were glad to have seen these stories, and to have become fans of this strange group. Another one called to us, however, in the far-off future. Thank you.